Mr. What, two weeks ago? Yeah, everything's good. I was 100% correct all the time. <laughs> hmm. yeah. We'll see about that. Yeah, so I didn't listen to the rest of it. Are you telling me that you didn't make any false accusations? Welcome to Slacker Motor Radio with Brad and Addison. Based out of the Pacific Northwest, we're talking motorcycles in the motorcycle community, and we're excited to have this hour with you. Here we go. Welcome back, Slackers. We are here, ready to go over our 2020 predictions. Brad, how are you? I am doing good. Addison, how are you doing? I am doing well. I feeling bad that we took a week off, but you know, all that turkey and the coma it gave us, it, it's nice to kind of reset and come into this strong having, uh, you know, I, I guess I, I gotta be well rested so I can defend all of the things that are mostly right, but I know you're going to call wrong in today's discussion. I mean, I could just be silent the entire time if you want, <laughs> I don't think people want to hear that. Well, <laughs> you might be surprised. Okay. Okay. <laughs> now we'll go over, uh, you know, everything. So we know that's part of the discussion today is our 2020 predictions. And we'll go over everything we said would happen, which was a longer list than I remembered, quite frankly. But well, it started off, I think, shorter. And then we kept on thinking of things just on a whim, which is never a good thing. Yeah, we each had like two main points. And then it just like went down a couple of rabbit holes that both of us said a few things that maybe we wish we hadn't now that we know what happened in 2020, but that's all right. Yeah, it would have been better if we hadn't drawn attention to it in this episode, but uh, that's what makes it fun, I guess. Well, yeah, and then here come come January, we'll go ahead and tell everybody what we think will happen in 2021 and, and be wrong again. I think I'm just going to say that we sell motorcycles. <laughs> well, I, yeah, I've got other things I already have in the docket for what I'd like to add to that, but I'll leave that one for... Uh, for the upcoming January episode. Nonetheless, do you do anything? Uh, it's been a couple of weeks now. Do you do anything fun? Oh, not a not a whole lot. Got got stuff going for Christmas. Got a Christmas tree, you know, like we'd mentioned I might do, and so went out and did that. Oh, started uh, looking at finishing up some stuff on the motorcycle, cleaning some stuff up, some mounting surfaces and stuff and such. And then today, after work, actually, I'm planning on trying to head down and. Um, have the cylinder checked. I know I've been trying to do that. One place they had it for like three months, which didn't help me out anyway, any, in any way. So I'm going to take it to uh, Twister Twister Crankshafts out of Boring, Oregon. So it's supposed to be um, pretty reputable. I know Hot Tub Daryl's had some work done there and is really happy with it. So if I can get down there before they close, that'd be awesome. Twister crankshaft. So they just throw all the crankshafts and spots on the floor and start calling out right hand Honda, left hand Nissan. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe. I mean, they, they might just sit there and just twist crankshafts all day. I don't know. That doesn't sound too bad, depending on what we're talking about here. Yeah, we'll see. I, I spend too much time in a chair. I wish I was out, out on the bike twisting the crankshaft. Yeah, but then you wouldn't be able to ride it the next time you went out, I guess. Why? Isn't that how the engine runs? The crankshaft twists. Is it? Does it twist? Well, all right. Okay. 
Is that one of your predictions for 2020 is we're going to have twisting crankshafts for 2021? Oh, I, I hope not. I've, I've already grenaded one street bike and, and other, other issues in my life. I, I think we're good. Yeah, so not a lot of project uh, work uh, on the home front, but uh, a lot of good family time, so I can't complain about that. Some good preparations towards being able to finish up this KLR project this year. It's long overdue. I, I agree that it's long overdue, and I'm glad you're working on it because uh, we got to get you on the bike this year. We've got things in the work that require each of us to have a bike. So, you know, running a running this podcast, you, you got to start riding again. Uh, I worry that your opinion of riding experience is, is dropping. Now I'm just throwing shade, though, so I'll, I'll stop here. Okay. All right. <laughs> anyway, yeah, not... A similar thing. It was nice to spend time with family and, and enjoy, you know, Thanksgiving for what it is. Uh, a lot of, you know, gratitude for all the things that have happened. I know it's been a, a rough year, but I hope we were all able to, to take time and, and kind of look at the positive and, and all those, all the good things that we do have to be grateful for, despite all the crap that's happened this year. Uh, I hope everybody's able to do that. It allowed me to kind of go in. I, I took some of that time to, to clean out the garage and get a little bit more work on done on the projects and spent the last few days fantasizing about things I might want to do to a stripple. So, uh, you know, it's just, just been it. a good reflective time. Just buy it. What do you mean? I don't know. We'll get into that. It sounds like you've been looking at some parts for the, uh, for the triumph. You said you were never going to put an exhaust on. That's not why you bought this bike. You weren't going to do any modifications. And I think there's been quite a few already. So just, just interesting. <laughs> You know me, man. I can't. I can't leave things how they come. They have to be mine. They can't be like everyone else's. I know that's exactly what I told you, and you're like, no, that's not the plan for this bike. So I got to throw my jabs when I can because I know they're coming. For the for the time, <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> for the for the time being, I'm talking. I've talked myself off the ledge pretty good that that it doesn't make a lot of sense with it being kind of that that triple threat that it is. That I take it on long tours, you know, a couple thousand miles in a weekend that I, I, you know, I'm now doing track days and that I use it for commuting. But should it not be my primary means of two-wheeled transportation, it's hard to deny that, that that triple really wants to sing. So we'll see. There's a couple of, uh, couple of gears that have to, to mesh before that, that happens. So I don't think the deal that I found was good enough that it's worth pulling the trigger prematurely. But it definitely has the brain working. Okay, okay. I think you're going to buy it anyway. You need to just do it. Uh, we'll see. I, I will say uh, it was one of the first times I've shown a an upgrade or a modification to my wife, and she saw kind of the video of right the difference between stock exhaust and this pipe that I'm looking at, and uh, immediately went, "Oh, that that's cool. You should get that." And you're torn up because you have to cut something. Well, it's a permanent change, right? There's no going back. And if it's What's not going to be... What's going on with the Gladiator? Come on. What's going on with the Gladiator? Are you not making any permanent changes to that? Oh, all kinds of them. But that was the original plan. That's the problem, right? The plan for this was to be a a relatively stock bike that, that does everything. No, you did not say relatively stock. That's not how you worded it. You said that this was going to be a stock bike. The only thing that you were going to do was put a rack on it so that way you could actually use it for a tour. And you did that... And more. Yeah, not a ton more. Everything I've done on that on the triple so far is fully reversible. Yeah, I get that. 
But so. at the same time, so is the modification that you're talking about with the exhaust. I mean, you're cutting it and you know how to weld. You know how to weld it back on if you wanted to. Yeah, and, uh, you know, you can get a used exhaust to replace it with for, for lowish money. You're not going to replace it. You're going to leave it on there. You're going to have the old original exhaust hanging in the garage, taking up space. Just throw it away or sell it. Anyway, my two cents. You're causing problems now, man. Just buy it. All right. We'll see. Once uh, once your direct deposit falls I'll, uh, or drops in, I'll, I'll go ahead and make that purchase. Okay. By the time this is released, it'll be purchased. <laughs> I don't think that's true. but Okay. That's my we'll prediction, see. my December prediction. We'll see what happens. Okay. Nonetheless, let's get into it, man. I think uh, we don't want this to be a, a five-hour episode, so let, let's see what we had planned. I think it's a moment of reckoning. It's time for both of us to come to terms with what we said would happen this year. Now, before we get deep into it, we're all aware of what kind of a year it's been, 2020. We're all aware of what's happened. So take it with a grain of salt, maybe. Maybe we have a little forgiveness on this conversation because some unexpected industry changes occurred due to health and environmental concerns. Um, However, I think a lot of what we said still holds. So let's look at it. I went through and kind of took notes on what we talked about. So let's just kind of go over. We'll go back and forth on some of the things we said. And we started real strong with a couple of big comments each. The first one being that Brad thought we'd be very underwhelmed on what new bikes come out this year. Yeah, I I still uh, hold true to that. Do you say that that's wrong? I don't know that it's wrong. Your statement, you you definitely clarified your statement because you, you made a couple of broad sweeping strokes that were impossible to be right or wrong. Hey, but, that's how these predictions are supposed to go. <laughs> you wanted to tear it out, man. <laughs> but I, I poked you a little bit on it, and your your statements were more so that Harley-Davidson and Indian would continue to run the status quo. They wouldn't really do anything breakthrough. Uh, and that kind of all the new bikes would come out and, and kind of the same kind of story. that You're saying that any new model would just be a small update on the previous year. So what came out this year, man? I don't know. They're so underwhelming. No, Indians got a new bike that owned a bagger race. Okay, and we talked about those that in the predictions as well. And what did I say about that specifically? You mentioned that they would be more or less a, a minimal improvement on an existing bike. Right. I, I, I guess I'm sure that people are excited about it. I'm not saying that it wasn't good or that it didn't do great. And it did go and um, win the, what is it, the, the king of the baggers? Yep, the bagger race we had in uh, Laguna Seca. Right. It did really well there. I'm not doubting that. I think uh, Indian's doing a great job with what they're doing, but I don't think that it was anything revolutionary. I think it just brought them up to the same level and just a a bit above. And then, of course, Harley uh, responded. I don't know if the new Harley motor was in the bikes that were in that challenge. I wasn't able to find that information. But, um, but yeah, okay. So it's out. Don't want to... You know, talk it down, but I don't think it was anything crazy. Personal opinion about it, I guess. Um, otherwise, there wasn't a lot of information. Yeah, there wasn't a ton of information. It, you know, it, I think for Indian, it was a definite move in a different direction. A big water-cooled twin. 
Um, you know, as, as Indian goes, it, it was a big move, but you're right. It, it's just a small increase on what Harley was already doing and or planning to do. Um, but I, your comment was that it would be underwhelming. And I, I feel like that they've done a good job. Maybe the bike itself isn't a huge increase, but I feel like with Indian and Harley competing such as they are, the marketing or kind of customer vision or customer display of these bikes is not necessarily underwhelming. They've really pushed them hard in a way that has brought them into the public eye and added, you know, there's an entire new race for, uh, for Moto America this year based on it. And, and I feel like it hasn't necessarily been underwhelming. It's been a very exciting, although minimal change in bike an exciting big change in the cust, you know, in the public eye for these bikes. Sure. Sure. Okay. So, I don't know how that leaves my prediction, but I don't know. I mean, there were some there's some good bikes that kind of came out this year, but I don't know. It just seems like a lot of hype over the normal stuff. I don't know how many times I was trying to ask you randomly throughout the year if you'd seen anything new or exciting in motorcycles, and you're like, no, not really. So I don't know. Yeah, I mean, we got the new what? We got the new Tenere. 700 that was a whole new i mean it granted the engine's been existing in other bikes previously with the uh fz07 and, and uh, xsr 700 but putting that in an off-road adventure bike was a very big change for yamaha they've never really had a middleweight uh adventure bike and it is definitely a big change from the rest of that 650 700 class um it meets a, a niche very differently being a twin I thought you said there wasn't going to be any more adventure bikes. Oh, we'll get into this. We'll get into that. But that was a big change that I don't think was necessarily underwhelming. I think that bike has shown to be a kind of a game changer in that adventure class, the middleweight adventure class. Um, You know, we had a couple of changes in triumph. I'll admit the, you know, the new, the new triples aren't anything crazy. I don't know that the 900 people are very excited by it and the technology it brought, but it, it isn't, you know, as big of a jump from the 800 that I had thought it would be or hoped it would be. I'll give you that one. Um, and then, you know, you've got the new uh, Rocket 3, and I think that was a pretty big jump from the previous Rockets. No, I could see that. That was actually pretty cool, checking that out and seeing how that turned out. Good styling. I'll, I'll give you that one. That's a good point. Just something new, but it was in the big bike market, not a lot of sales. It's hard to really assess how well that plays out, but yeah. I hear you there, and, and to your point as well, it you know a lot of these changes were made early in the year. Granted, that's usually how it works, right? Over the winter, we get the announcements of the new bikes, and they all come out early on. Um, but I think that's where I think your uh, your prediction is going to be a little more clear is as it as it rolls into next year, right? We didn't see a lot of updates on new crazy things coming out this year, and we could talk about those those predictions more in January. But we didn't see a lot of announcements throughout 2020 for the 2021 model year, right? So if that's what you meant, and in retrospect, of course, your, your 2020 hindsight may, may tell me that that is what you meant, but I think you're, we're seeing that the new production and new design and engineering from 2020 really isn't bringing a ton to the table. 
Yeah, I just didn't see a lot of technology advancements. Or I mean, there's a few here and there. I mean, ABS is becoming more and more just common across the board, even on the smaller bikes, bigger bikes. Uh, you know, these these extra features that were, um, you know, premiums a couple of years ago are almost becoming standard, not all the way across the board, but, but in most cases, it's pretty um, competitively priced to just buy some of these additional safety features if, if that works for you. But but uh, not not a lot of just new and um, crazy out, out of the sky things uh, in in my opinion and, and I don't know where where that what that would actually look like but but I guess that was that was part of the prediction as well so I just didn't I didn't think anything was coming that was just going to blow my socks off I mean there's some cool stuff out there I kind of said that that would kind of maybe take place a little bit on electric motorcycles just just because the, it's so out of the box already that you got to kind of do new things and i mean just styling in general and how things are laid out i mean that's that's creating some quite drastically stylized different bikes than what we're typically used to in some cases so um a few of those announced, but uh, and I guess we'll get into that that prediction of mine, but um, but not really anything on the road. Yeah, and and we'll get into that here with your uh, your second one, but kind of to my point of of some of the the less uh, I guess not underwhelming bikes of the year. One of my predictions, at least my first one, was mid level bikes, um, kind of that seven hundred to nine hundred range. And other than the Tenere 700, I, I think you're kind of right. There wasn't anything overwhelming, but there were a lot of newcomers or changes in that market. Um, and I think that market has grown. That you look at, uh, you know, what, what the manufacturers are moving towards. Granted, they've kind of been hinting that direction for a while, so that was an easy prediction to make. But, you know, it, it does feel like that that mid seven to 900 range is kind of the hot ticket or becoming significantly more popular in the u.s market at least i know it's always been a pretty popular segment worldwide um but the u.s is kind of coming to terms that you don't need you know 1400 cc's to do what you want to do right but i mean to some extent uh you know that's pandemic driven like we've suggested that uh you know a lot of the bigger bikes you'd want to take on long long cross country across the uh, U.S. trips and such, and and some people were doing that. I'm not saying that they weren't, but a lot of riding, I have a feeling, this last uh, year was more localized. Just getting out, maybe with a few buddies, maybe doing some short trips. But in general, I mean, most people, I guess, depending on your region, and I'm speaking from the Northwest and just what's happened here, that you weren't supposed to be traveling around really. So, um, and I know that it, you know, I'm not suggesting that everybody. Uh, did that but um you, you don't need as big of a bike potentially for those shorter rides that's true um but i think a lot of people even even more so are seeing the the value in that that medium-sized engine you know with the six-speed gearbox pretty hard to find a bike built today that doesn't have that uh you know you don't necessarily need all that all that engine to get up to highway speeds like you did you know back in the 50s through 80s where if you didn't have a huge bore engine, you couldn't get enough RPM up to uh, or enough power out of the engine within your gearbox to get to you know 70, 80 miles an hour. Where today that sixth gear lets basically a three hundred do that without 
too much struggle. Um, I think that, that that's what I've seen a lot of in the in the market, at least of, of people that I'm talking to that are whether they're new or old riders, that there is definitely a an understanding that you don't have to have crazy engine size to do what you want to do, and that sometimes a lighter, smaller bike uh, is a little bit more fun. And you and I have talked about that a lot in, with your with your 250 and kind of the riding style that you need to to enjoy the smaller bikes that you know you don't you don't get the same opportunity with a big heavy long bike to throw it into corners and pull the throttle you know to rip it full throttle in a safe way you can kind of enjoy that a little differently with the smaller bike and i think that that's moved a little bit but due to kind of everything this year i agree it hasn't been you know a a game changer with regards to nobody's keeping their big bikes and everybody's getting rid of you know, everybody's moving to those smaller bikes. I think a lot of people are sticking with what they have. And those that are now riding more because of the the conditions are just getting that size of a bike. And you're right, it could be due to economics and other things beyond just just that understanding. But at least that's what uh, us middleweight bike guys tell ourselves. Yeah, you know, and I was looking around a little bit, I didn't find a lot of data um, on it. But uh, from everything that I've seen, it looks like motorcycle sales we're up over the year. And for our youth lovers, I found an article for Australia um, released on MC News um, October, in October that actually the big increase was off-road motorcycles. And we don't talk about those a lot. I mean, we do occasionally, but most of our topic is uh, um, on the pavement. And another interesting fact that uh, I see here in the article is that uh, scooter sales were down. And I'm not really surprised. I mean, we talked about small bikes. I mean, we could throw scooters into that if we want as well. But those are really for commuting. And with a lot of people, at least in the Pacific Northwest and the West Coast in general, being mandated to work from home, if at all possible, you weren't really needing to commute. And so if you wanted a motorcycle, you didn't need to get a small one. You were actually going to be looking for something to either go out get off road as this article suggests or get uh, on the pavement and um, go somewhere and get out and just it's one of those things that was definitely social distancing if you will right fresh air space from others we talked about that off and on so i think that that's uh that kind of leads into it so just interesting factoting huh. for our youths yeah i agree i think uh outside of Outside of kind of our normal discussion, we didn't really make too many predictions on the the scooter market or anything, as that's not really our our forte. Not that any of this really is, but um, that's an interesting interesting tidbit. That yeah, I think if you were looking at a smaller bike uh, just for your commute to make it easier, you might upgrade a bit so that you can do that weekend trip, and that that might have something to do with the push, at least for manufacturers in the middleweight market. So that, that's an interesting point. Now. Getting into that, I think we're talking middleweight market. If we're talking kind of the same group of riders that are doing weekend shots or just quick day shots after work shots instead of commuting, uh, one of your other predictions that we've already touched on was uh, we'd have a lot more electric bikes on the road. I don't know if I've seen it. Yeah, but it's tough because we're not out. I, <laughs> I mean, I work at the office and I do commute still. Uh, but you're at home all the time. You've become a hermit. I mean, nobody ever sees you. I think I'm just talking to a, a recording right now, and you're probably in Hawaii. But um, 
I don't know. I can't. I can't. Man, I should have done that. that. I know that a lot of bikes were coming out. There's some bikes that were for sale. I know that we talked to a couple dealerships, and um, some of them said that they were doing really well and they were selling some live wires. And I'm not saying that that was thousands by any means, but but there were some sold. Now, did I ever see one charging? No. Did I ever see one on the road? Not that I know of. Uh, by appearance, in most cases, they look pretty much the same. But interesting enough, I think that, and I'm going to tie this into it, and you can tear me apart for it. I'm going to turn. I'm going to. I'm going to look towards the e, like the e-bikes, and stuff, because there's a there's a lot of um, bicycles that the, that are electrified now, and it's becoming a quite a large market. And we know that like Harley Davidson and others are getting into that, and I think that's still the stepping stone. And I'm seeing a ton of those. And so I don't know. I mean, we can call this one a failed prediction, but I'm still going to say that any technology advancements that we're going to see that are just groundbreaking are going to be on the EV side. Yeah, I think that, I think that it still has been. From a groundbreaking standpoint, I, I can't argue with you. I don't think that, you know, there's not a lot groundbreaking per se that, that's occurring on the motorcycle market at this point anyway. It's just, right, who can who can throw the best twist on the market that we have, right? When oh, it's it comes got a new to, stickers package. Oh, sorry. And, you know, more than that, I, you know, obviously that's a year-over-year change. I mean, look at the KLR, 40 years of that, and no changes other than stickers. But, yeah. um, Barbie, you know, but, yeah. I mean, come on. But you look at, you know, you look at BMW, and they've got the R18, and, you know, there are, I don't know if groundbreaking is the right word, right? There are updates being made, and that's what it is, is, right? How can we take what we've got and throw a different twist on it. The Tenere 700 is a great example. Engine and half that frame haven't changed at all, but they made an entirely new bike. I mean, I rode that bike, and that compared to an FZ07 or an XSR 700 is a whole different world. So, you know, I don't know if there's any groundbreaking, but there is innovation still occurring within these manufacturers. Um, but what I expected to see was was more companies and more more manufacturers getting involved in the electric motorcycle market and there's talk right i know there's talk of electric dirt bikes coming from um polaris working okay. with zero the cake bike when we were at the show and the cake bike's been kind of mulling around for a while but yeah there's that and there's um you know there's a couple of players that have have talked about it i know that you know some other manufacturers have teased the idea that by you know, 2025 or whatever it is, each of them have their own little deadline. You know, they're going to have X number of electric bikes in the market, but there's not a lot of real news other than the live wire and zero to your, uh, to your defense though. I will say the new zero SR that came out kind of end of last year as a 2021 or sorry, 2020 model year bike is a huge upgrade over the previous zeros. So you know, that is a nice bike. It's reduced the cost of the older Zeros. Um, and I have seen a couple, you know, I've gone on enough rides throughout the year that I've actually seen twice now a Zero going out for a day ride. Um, you know, it's hard for them to to do some of the trips. Usually if I go out for a Saturday, I'm gone for a Saturday, and that's more miles than, than a Zero or really any moderately priced electric bike on the market can handle. Um, but... They are out there, and it is uh, a market that, that is still kind of – I guess that's the issue with, with the prediction. And I, a lot of it, I'm sure, has to do with COVID and people not commuting and all of that. 
I don't I don't see the market has grown, but it does seem to not have dropped. There is still, to your point, excitement in electric bicycles. Uh, there's still you know people riding their electric motorcycles. Zero is still in business. They haven't gone under, right? They're still selling bikes to those that are are riding motorcycles, uh, you know, on the weekends and that are buying new bikes. So I think it's floated, which is probably saying a lot given the fact of of everything we've gone through this year. Yeah. But be, beyond all that, kind of goes into the the second comment I had was that what would be big and popular this year would be naked standard bikes and the adventure bikes would uh, fall off. And I think we've, we've already proven pretty clear that, that that wasn't the case, right? Some of the big game changers this year were adventure bikes. Uh, people I think went on more adventures because you couldn't really do things in the city. You don't go to, uh, you know, Seattle on vacation anymore. You leave Seattle to go out in the woods because you're not allowed to do anything in Seattle. So I think, uh, I'm going to blame it on COVID just to cover my own butt, but I think uh, I was wrong there. You're wrong. <laughs> yeah, no, I think I think you're right. I mean, to be to be fair, I don't think that uh, COVID helped your prediction any, but um, yeah, people were just wanting to get out and go off road, and if you could start at your house and get out there, and then even if the bike doesn't perform as well as a dirt bike, you didn't have to haul a trailer, you didn't have to drive a truck, you didn't have to waste any more fuel. All of those, you don't have to leave something parked in the parking lot while you ride your bike around in the trails, and you can go anywhere you want for the most part. So, uh, I I think adventure bikes are still a great bike, and I don't see them really going away anytime soon. A lot of people see that as an opportunity to justify a purchase. I think so. Um, not really surprised by that one, but uh, we'll just see. I mean, we know that Promo Ryan. I mean, I don't know if he's bought anything yet, but he was looking at uh, trying to get an adventure bike as well. So. Um, definitely seems to be the case recently, but that's all right. I won't give you a pass, but I won't be. I'll say that this year, probably to help support the fact that this was not a good year for either, you know, Yamaha discontinued the V max, which is unrelated to any of these, these uh, classes of bike, but also the R six, which is a sport bike, but kind of probably closer to that naked standard style of bike with regard, you know, at, at least, Closer to that than an adventure bike. Um, but they've also discontinued the WR250. So their little, their small adventure bike, uh, they're, they're cutting. Right. So it's just interesting to see what Yamaha's doing there. Um, but as well, there's already been a couple of announcements of kind of naked standard newcomers from different manufacturers into the market for the 2021 model year. So there's been a, you know, the engineering this year has been towards an increase in newcomers to the low-cost naked standard world so uh, that is my one defense on that that i think the engineering and design and, and updates coming that were all done through 2020 here um are pointing to that being the right direction for bikes um but i don't know how much of that is u.s market a lot of the companies i see doing that you know beamer triumph are outside of uh are not necessarily the big players in the u.s world so some of that may be for lower cost countries as well. Yeah. And I know that, you know, Kawasaki got rid of the KLR. That's no new news. So I thought we, everybody thought that there was going to be a new one. <laughs> to some extent there was, but it was the KLX 300, just not the same. Right. So, uh, you know, it just depends. It seems like they maybe had a naked in there as well. So 
So I don't think that your prediction's off. I think people like them, but it just didn't dive for this year. Yep. And well, and that, you know, what I read into the WR250 and the KLR650 being discontinued is that come next year, we're going to see, you know, some replacement bike for it. Right. Emission standards and other things we're driving for, at least the KLR650, like you mentioned already alluded to, the fact that it had, hadn't really changed in, in decades. So, I mean, rejuvenating that and coming out with something that's new, even if it's not groundbreaking, I think it's uh, overdue for, and I think that it could be interesting to see how they uh, look at what the rest of the market's been doing and maybe put their own twist on it. Like they, like, you know, every OEM does. So, uh, interesting to see what they do there. As far as the Yamaha WR250, do they already announce that, uh, are you suggesting that people have been talking about it, a, a replacement for it as well? Uh, I mean, there's going to be something, there's no way they're not going to have a 250 class, uh, dual sport. I mean, I, I guess that's my assumption. I can't say that per se with any, any facts. I just know that they've discontinued it officially, um, as of 2021 and, I have to assume they have something coming down the pipeline to support that that market because there's a lot of players in that three. My guess is it'll be a little bigger. Uh, KTM kind of changed that small adventure bike market with their 300s. Uh, everyone wants a KTM 300 in that world, so my guess is they're going to try to compete better with that that bike. Oh, just like coming out with the KLX 300. And yep, Supermoto. something a little bit bigger. That Supermoto does have an appeal to it, just saying from Kawasaki and I don't want to get off topic too much here, but yeah, it looks looks fun. I don't know how many people are actually going to take it to the track. To, to another employee's uh, point that he made on a discussion we had uh, a couple weeks ago, but uh, interesting, kind of cool. I think there's a you know we'll see what happens next year with all these bikes that were discontinued. I don't. I think some of it was you know we look at Harley as well that they they basically stopped a lot of their production on the the new the new bikes. However, all three of their, their kind of front runners on their website are still coming out. We're still going to get the Bronx. We're still going to get the Pan America and we're still getting the live wire, obviously as it's already out. Um, so yeah, I, I, I don't know, that's, know I, yet what that I'm discussion really meant. I'm on what's going to happen there. I'm excited to see what Harley does. There's a lot of things that they do. And just the, just, I guess the feeling you get thinking about a Harley and just the Harley branding and just the, how built into the U S culture that is. I, I'm really eager to see what they're going to end up doing, but uh, I, every time I say that, it seems like they're doing the same thing. And so, so I just, I just want to see what happens. I thought that they were really going into something new, and I want to see how it was going to do. But they're not really pushing very hard for these new bikes, really. Yeah, there's not a lot of. Uh, I mean, there's, there's right, their same power plant plans going into a couple of bikes here, but not a, not a lot of huge innovation after the live wire, and I don't. I mean, I know that they're selling it, and there are live wires on the road. Apparently, I, I agree that I've never noticed one on the road, but you know, the, there's not been a lot of innovation since then. So I'm curious where they go with kind of their their cost reduction and refocus on their uh, their heritage. I know they had some promotions where they were doing some financing options, and I think a two thousand dollar trade in for your bike, um, no matter what the bike was, at least. So, I mean, but it's still, I mean, that's an expensive bike. It doesn't matter what you do. You know, you drop it two grand and it's still going to be an expensive bike. I don't know. Yeah, I, and, I and agree. And being able to travel on it. I mean, I, and we talked and it sounds like the, the, the other thing is, is if you actually want to ride it and you want to ride it hard, the range is, the range suffers drastically. 
that uh, you can't really ride it that far. You know, you could tune it down, but then it's like riding around a scooter, I think is how it was worded. So it'll be interesting to see how that, how, uh, how well that takes off. I mean, that that's going to be the case for any motorcycle, anything that's performance oriented. You, you, you drive it hard. Um, especially with an electric, you're actually getting into it hard and it's going to suck the battery. Right. So, yep. I mean, that's just the way it is. There's still a spot for it, and I can't wait until it expands a little bit. But uh, anyway, uh, what was the next thing on our list? Sorry. No, you're good, man. From here, we kind of this is where we started to to trail off in a similar fashion that we're doing with Harley right now. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But kind of got into the low cost, low CC market that the big manufacturers would get out of the 250 and below market and kind of leave that to China and India. And I don't know that China and India have picked it up. I think that manufacturers have have gotten out of that market, but they're just upping the CC a bit. The, and they're still the leader in that market. I don't think people have migrated into the low-cost, low-CC bike. They're just okay getting a you know a three, 350 or 400cc bike. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I still could see that happening. I, you know, I, I prefaced my predictions with 10 years. I'm just going to say that uh, I kind of blanket stated that. You can, you can check that on. Back check that, please. So I, I foresee <laughs> that happening, though. I mean, you continue to see, like, it, like Harley pulled out of India, right? That was a piece of news from 2020. Um, well, if they're not going to be there and they're not going to produce uh, small displacement bikes like they had been overseas, well, then who's going to pick that up? India, India is, and China is. So we'll see how that plays out. But I think that's happening more and more. But to your point, I mean, we see everybody kind of just going from 250s to 300s. They're just trying to level it out a little bit more. I think a lot of people have the 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 opinion or like this mindset that you know, yeah, the 250 would be good, but man, how long am I going to be on that bike before I'm done with it? It's only going to be. Am I going to be bored with it by the end of the season and it's only worth, you know, uh, 70% of what I bought it for by the next year? So, I don't know. I I think that that – I think that uh, they're just trying to up it up a little bit more and say, you know, this might be smaller displacement, but I think you're going to be pleasantly surprised and you could ride this bike for a while. Well, I think that with modern technology and fuel injection and some of the throttle by wire and, and different things that we've got – you know, when all that was new, it was pretty difficult to tame, uh, you know, and, and with carburetors, they can be a bit finicky depending on your fuel input and your throttle response. But with all the technology now, you know, you can get a five, six, seven hundred cc bike that is just as smooth and tame with ride modes as a 250 that, you know, if you don't know how to ride or you've, you know, your only experience riding is taking a two day course in a parking lot. You can hop on a 600cc bike with ride modes, yeah. and you're going to have no problem. You're going to ride as well as you would if you had just bought a 250 Cruiser or 250 Adventure Bike or whatever you would have bought. You can buy the equivalent mid-range bike and have just as much controllability and safety with ABS and traction control and drive modes that you would have had with just you know your inability to rip it too hard on a 250. Well, drive mode B will do that in a Yamaha, right? It'll bring it down so you can't, if you crack the throttle, sure, physically you're cracking the throttle, but the way that it's electronically controlling that is a slow ramp up. 
Yeah, it's all mapping for it. I definitely think you're right there. That's a big advantage that I hadn't really considered in that regard, but uh, I could see that being a good selling point. I mean, I was on the MT-09 and and was playing with the different modes, and you could definitely tell a difference going from standard to the high-performance mode and just how much, as you rolled on the throttle, it just wanted to go. So, uh, yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Uh, you know, we could have a much longer conversation on the importance of this stuff, but I think just for the sake of this conversation, that I, I think that's helped the manufacturers kind of move up slowly in the CC, right? Because if you, there's still a reason for small displacement and small bikes if you live in the city. Um, you know, if all you're doing is commuting to work or, you know, less than 20 miles a day and it's all side streets, then you don't want to be lugging necessarily a big bike around. When you're trying to park on the curb at your local Fred Meyer or whatever it is in the city, right? You want that small, lightweight bike that you can just throw on the curb, leave there, lock up like a bicycle, move on, get your stuff and get out. Uh, you know, lower maintenance, lower cost of ownership. Those small CC bikes have a place in the world as very easy to own bikes. But if you're all, only thinking of a small displacement bike as a one-year interim while you learn to ride, that's really no longer a thing with these drive modes. You just keep it in rain mode on any of these new bikes. And, you know, even a 1400, you know, you can get your, your full size FJR or whatever, and put that in rain mode. And it's tamed enough that even if you make a stupid choice on accident or accidentally, you know, whiskey throttle it, it's not going to throw you off or, or endo on top of you. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a good point. So the question will be is how is that going to affect its value retention over time? Is it going to hold value a little bit better because it can be used for um, entry riders and such? Or, is, or do you think it's going to really come into play much? I I mean, it's hard to say on a long-term standpoint as basically 2015 is when these things started becoming really, really, to your point, right? A lot of this stuff is so standard now with ABS and traction control and drive modes. You, know, you look at a lot of the Japanese manufacturers, at least, and it's about 2015 that you see it start coming on the new model years after that, that they started popping up. And, I mean, if you look at those bikes, granted, 2015 is only five years ago, but a five-year-old bike 10 years ago dropped in price significantly. You'd be at well under half the original purchase value five years into a bike's life 10 years ago. Whereas now, you're really only getting a couple grand off. You know, you'll buy a bike for nine grand, and they're still selling for seven or eight. Yeah, but Depending you can't look at this year. And some of that's because we're comparing it to this year. I, I, I agree that that's, that's, for the most part, an accurate assessment. But this last year, with um, declines in production and then just how much people have been, uh, the demand for bikes this year, it seems like it's, bikes have really held their value. And they're just going for a lot more recently. At least, at least that's what I've been seeing. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the case, but I, at least with some of the more eclectic bikes I've looked at historically, uh, you know, granted, eclectic bikes tend to do that anyway, but the value on the newer bikes with the newer, you know, with these drive modes, I think it makes it a much more universally accepted bike, right? You can get a an FZ09 with drive modes and traction control and all that, and yeah, your market from hooligan bike riders only in, you know, the early 2000s just move to anybody that wants a 900cc bike because you can put it in any mode you want and you can ride it. Oh, you don't have to just, just be that guy. Your wife, if you say, well, I don't have to ride it in that mode. 
I can write it in this mode. I just write it in the standard mode. I don't, I don't, I don't switch it to performance. I don't. Well, I think even, even just justifying it to yourself, right? This is a bike I can take on a tour because now I can put it in rain mode. And even if I got bags and stuff that makes it a less safe bike on the corners, it's not like I can do something stupid because the electronic throttle is going to limit it. Right. And I look like I'm riding a big bike. I've got this big bike and I can dumb it down. Nobody knows the difference, right? Nobody knows, but I look, I look bad riding this. Well, and when you want it, right, you're on a weekend jaunt with your buddies doing, you know, doing more of a quick trip on, on the interstate or some of the good back roads. And, and you can do that too. You can put it back in sport mode and go. So I think it just, to your point, I think it, it, it increases its marketability. I in think the so used too. marketplace. I do. I think that we're going to start seeing the bikes don't drop in value near as much as they used to. And some of that's because you're not really going to see all the new innovations that kind of been coming out for the last 20 years. I mean, there's going to be new ones, but a lot of the ones that came out, I think, were uh, overdue. And then um, there was something new coming out. They're finally refining it or oh, they're finally having ABS or some sort of traction control. And so people were buying into it. Now we're kind of catching up to where everybody's already got that. And so... I mean, you're not. There's no real reason to buy another bike, and a used one's going to have the same features as the new one. So I think that's going to hold value too. But that's not really into our predictions. I know we dig- probably need to digress again, but it's still very good. Well, well it kind of got into I think explaining a bit why, at least our perception as to why the the low CC bike market and why the Chinese and Indian bikes haven't just shown up and taken over. In so the who's US. right or wrong in that in that prediction? You didn't. Oh, I was definitely wrong. They haven't taken over. Okay. Yeah, that, that, yeah no, that's what I was hinting at last week. True. I know you wanted to really bury me this week, but that's what I was hinting at. That's the only one that I remember yeah. cared to remember. Yeah, and and I don't. That hasn't happened because I think new bikes have have more than made up for what's missing now in the U.S. market. Well, I shouldn't say U.S. because a lot of these are Japanese and, and European manufacturers, but in the U.S. purchasing market, consumer market. Yeah. Um. Now, one of the things that you mentioned that I wanted to go over, I don't know if you remember this one, but you talked about one of the big things you'd see is phone-based displays in uh, both customs and new bikes. Do you remember that? Uh, vaguely. Okay, okay. So I can't say that I've seen some. I mean, I haven't seen a lot of that, but I think that I still think that that's going to be coming. I'll put that in the 10-year bucket. <laughs> is that your... That's your easy out right there is your 10-year bucket. but I did. I prefaced it with 10 years and whether we were starting a decade or ending one and, and you finalized that and then we moved on. I just I let it slide. But anyway, yeah, I guess I haven't really seen it. I, I haven't been watching the custom side as much. I don't know. Maybe you can speak into that, uh, maybe honestly. But, uh, you know, I, I OEMs are never going to have that. I don't know if that's what I said last time. But mostly in the custom side, I... I still think that that's going to be a big one. Your phone's capable of so much. That, and why would you set up anything else? I don't know. Uh, maybe I just need to invent it and start making millions. Now, I can tell you that from a custom side, phones are used more. Uh, there's now phone-based starters, right? You, your your phone, an app on your phone runs diagnostics uh, for zero, right? You can go through and switch your modes based on your phone, but it's still not the display per se but it helps support kind of what you're saying that your phone is the interface is your, your communication with the ECU. Um, now also on some of the custom items, you know, you've got, you can start the bike with a button on your phone or putting your phone up close to, uh, to a little, um, 
reader or scanner that'll read the ID there. Uh, you can use your phone for different things to help chase uh, electrical bugs with some of the the higher end. Um, oh, what am I looking for? Junction boxes on uh, on custom bike builds. You can actually use your phone if there's an issue with any of those connections. Your phone will tell you which which connection it is and help you understand the voltage and amperage through it. So you can kind of track and, and control and, and design a much cleaner system. Yeah. Uh, so for my custom, your phone helps you do a better job. But it's definitely, I haven't really seen anything where your phone is your display. Um, I haven't seen anything along those lines. I think a lot of the customs that want their phone to be a support within the electrical system have a super minimal display. To the point of it's just, you know, a single readout on a single digital display right in front where there is no you know, big display or big dial on it. Um, but that doesn't mean that it couldn't happen. And I could see that being true, right? You want to have that while you're riding, but then take it off while you're not. So you have a very clean uh, handlebar set. And I think that there's some value there. So I, I think you should invent it. Yeah, but the, I guess the, the going back a little bit, I was kind of thinking through this a little bit more instead of my on-the-whim prediction that I had thought of for more than five seconds last year. That The biggest issue that we have is we don't have something like an OBD uh, port on a motorcycle and so how do you draw data from your bike when it's cable driven let's say or something else which is what a lot of the customs are going to be based off of is a lot of mechanical systems and basic signals that aren't really you know don't interface well with your phone um, i've tried you know shoving a speedometer cable into my phone it just doesn't work so I said, you know, I think that that's the thing is that we'd need some sort of an interface there or you have to go to all digital gauges and um, sensors and everything else, which is possible. We see that in automotive world. But, uh, yeah, that's that's uh, that's probably the, the hold up. There's the investment that's needed for that as opposed to just buying a cheap gauge and throwing it on there. But I think that I'm still going to say that we're going to see that. I think that's going to be the big thing. Somebody's going to invent it. Um, put it out there, have it reasonably priced, China copy it and run you out of the market. And then, um, yeah, yeah, it'll be on every bike. Most new bikes within the last 10, 20 years do have a, a diagnostic port on them. Yeah, but a lot of those, in. I mean, and some of them you, you could, yeah, I mean, people are customizing. That's, that's fair. But at the same time, I mean, it, most people that are customizing a lot of bikes and or do-it-yourselfers are probably investing in something like, you know, a $500 bike that I was just looking at earlier on the interweb that, you know, what was it, a GS850 GT, where, where it's nothing really exciting, but but they can get it for 500 bucks, and then you're going to dump money into it and make it your own. And, man, couldn't you just see just slapping your phone in the in a little holder right in the center there where your gauges normally were, and it just completely changes the bike. It's, it looks more modern. It looks new, right? It really does look like a, a head off of one of these newer bikes when you kind of do something like that, so. I don't know. I, yeah, I'll take that as a loss, but uh, I'm still going to say we'll, we'll see. I'll think about this before I make a prediction for 2021. I think uh, I think you need to invent it. Solidify your prediction. Okay. Okay. Now, the only other one that I had here, well, there's actually two. We'll get into the last one, I guess, real quick. Is I made this, a small statement that we'd see more Middle East clothing companies. I haven't. I don't know. There's much more to say than that. <laughs> Okay, that's an interesting prediction, but okay. I know they were they were showing up at different meets and and really they were trying to come in through the uh 
kind of through the circuit of uh, of shows. Obviously, there haven't been very many of those this year, so that's my reasoning. I would assume why we haven't seen anything happen there is you know it's hard to come and and sell and and try to get a uh, a bigger company to pick up your gear when you can't go anywhere in the U.S. to do that. So yeah. That's difficult. So that, that that's probably all I need to say on that. But the other statement I had was racing in the U.S. would uh, would increase our our uh, customer base, the excitement over it, and the fan base for U.S. motorcycle racing. And wishful thinking. I, you know, we had new races this year that we've never had in the past, um, but we also lost some races due to COVID. So it it's questionable. Whether it would have or not, that one's pretty hard to uh, to speculate on what would have happened without COVID. But at least that. with COVID, it feels like it stayed at least where it was last year, which gives me the assumption that had we all been able to go to the races and help support and promote it more and didn't have a few get canceled or moved, um, you know, I, I have to hope that it would have increased this year. I think that that's a good thing for the motorcycle industry in general in the U.S. As if, uh, you know, if racing is more popular, then manufacturers become more popular than the industry itself grows. Yeah. Yeah. We'll also have to see how that plays out, but that's a good one for 2021. I don't know how long this is going to be going. I think nobody <laughs> absolutely knows, but uh, yeah, we're going to learn how to either cope with it or, or, um, or uh, avoid it altogether. So we'll, we'll see how that plays out. That's kind of my thought that that one will, I'll just probably roll into the next year's predictions. Cause so I was right and you I were wrong. Started. I win. Well, I think we were both right and we were both wrong, depending on what we're talking about here. I said it first, so I was right. There you go. All right, I'll give it to you. You can Yay! have this one because it'll be the only one you get. Okay. Nonetheless, I think I think we weren't too off base. I, I think we also made a lot of safe assumptions. So I'm looking forward to the 2021 conversation, and I hope both of us can get a little bit more specific. Uh, so when we hash it out at the end of 2021, we can uh, attack each other much, much better. Oh, come on. I like my broad strokes. I know, but I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be prying more out of you this time. So be ready. Okay, that's fair. Maybe we'll get some other people in there. What do you think about that? That might be interesting. I always think that's a good idea. Uh, yeah, okay. Okay. Well, I think we got, we got a, maybe a special guest. Trevor, did you hear about that? Maybe that might join us. I did road biker. That would be pretty interesting. Get him and Ryan in the room or on the call at the same time. Might be, uh, might be fun. I think we're, we're overdue for a good, uh, dirt bike discussion. So I think that that would be well worth the time. I think we've got a few more things as well to, to hash out before the end of the year. Luckily we've got a month to do it. So we'll, uh, we'll continue to have our, our discussions here, uh, setting our, our goals for next year. I know last year we had a big group for that. We'll try to, Try to get that in line as well. Um, just to understand what everybody wants to achieve uh, within at least the motorcycle half of their life coming into 2021. Nonetheless, from there, we hope uh, we're glad everybody joined us this week. Apologize for last week. Uh, thanks for coming back. Thanks for listening. And please uh, share this, rate, review, check out our website, check out Facebook. Uh, it's all at Slacker Moto. You guys know where to go. Share it with your friends, and we will talk with you next week. Until next time, ride off. Mm-hmm.